Hello and welcome to episode 773 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you this afternoon. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Sunday, January 14th, 2024, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. A very Merry Christmas to you once again. Let us begin with the Sunday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain the forgiveness of our sins. <laughs> Behold, O Mother of God, at thy feet a miserable sinner, a slave of hell who has recourse to thee and trusts in thee. I do not deserve that thou shouldest even look at me, but I know that thou, having seen thy son die for the salvation of sinners, hast the greatest desire to help them. I hear all call thee the refuge of sinners, the hope of those who are in despair, and the help of the abandoned. Thou art then my refuge, my hope, and my help. Thou hast to save me by thy intercession. Help me for the love of Jesus Christ. Extend thy hand to a miserable creature who has fallen and recommends himself to thee. I know that thy pleasure is to help a sinner to thy utmost. Help me, therefore, now that thou canst do so. By my sins I have lost divine grace and with it my soul. I now place myself in thy hands. Tell me what I must do to recover the favor of my Lord, and I will immediately do it. He sends me to thee that thou mayest help me. And he wills that I should have recourse to thy mercy, that not only the merits of thy son, but also that thy intercession may help me to save my soul. To thee then I have recourse. Do thou, who prayest for so many others, pray also to Jesus for me. Ask him to pardon me, and he will forgive me. Tell him that thou desirest my salvation, and he will save me. Show how thou canst enrich those who trust in thee. Amen. Thus I hope, thus may it be. Today, friends, we are going to take a look at an explanation of today's readings from sacred scripture by Father John Zulsdorf. That's Z-U-H-L-S-D-O-R-F. And this is at 1peter5.com. It's entitled Diebus Saltem Dominicus, Blessings from Lackings. And Father Z begins by saying, it seems as if once Christmas has passed, bam, it's over. Trees are at the curb, decorations come down, Music on the radio goes back to whatever it was. However, Holy Church gives us an octave to rest within the Feast of the Nativity itself and contemplate it from different angles, including the perspectives of a martyr in will and fact, Stephen, a martyr in will but not fact, John, and martyrs of fact but not will, holy innocence. Each one of these figures, along with the reading about and Olim Feast of the Circumcision, dovetailing the wood of the manger with the wood of the cross. Moreover, once the Christmas octave is completed, we still bask in the light of the Christ child with the illuminating feast of Epiphany and the brief liturgical season, Epiphany Tide. If the feasts of the Nativity and Epiphany consider the Lord in his infancy, perhaps Epiphany Tide points to his growing up into manhood. Epiphany traditionally marks three different manifestations of the Lord's divinity, which were thought to have happened on the same day of the year, though years apart. The adoration of the Magi, the baptism by John when the Father's voice was heard, and the wedding at Cana when Christ changed water into wine. Liturgically, these mysteries, springing from Epiphany, found their own days. The feast of the baptism of the Lord is celebrated on 13 January, Epiphany's would-be octave day this year, a Saturday. This Sunday, second after Epiphany, presents the account of Cana in John 2. 
It is fitting that early in the liturgical year, we have the account of the first miracle of the Lord, along with the mysterious and beautiful interaction with his blessed mother. The wedding at Cana is on the seventh day after the Lord's baptism, which institutes baptism as a sacrament. The Lord and his mother are at a wedding, which institutes marriage as a sacrament. On the seventh day of creation in Genesis, humanity becomes nuptial with the creation of Eve from Adam's side. The first part of the Gospel of John, from the prologue onward to the wedding in John 2, echoes the creation accounts in Genesis to underscore that Christ is the new Adam and Mary is the new Eve. Baptism, in which the Spirit moves on the water, makes us new creations. Moreover, it was the responsibility of the groom to supply the wine for the banquet. Thus, Christ, in providing wine at the behest of his mother, is taking the role of a spouse, which points down the way to the cross, which is where his relationship with the church is consummated, finished. Tetelestai, consumatum est, see John 19.30. There seems as well to be a Eucharistic and therefore priestly dimension in the wedding. Speaking of the day or the hour was code for his passion. When Greek Gentiles came to find Jesus in John 12, Christ said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The voice of the Father is heard twice in the Gospel of John at the baptism and in this moment. It was heard a third time at the Transfiguration, which is in the Synoptic Gospels, but not in John, even though John was present. Blessed Ildefonso Schuster, the great liturgist, and Cardinal Archbishop of Milan, who died in 1954, wrote of the Gospel passage for Sunday. The whole scene described in today's Gospel, besides recording our Lord's first miracle, veils a deep meaning into which the human mind can, with difficulty, penetrate. How sweet and consoling it is for the children of Mary to know that Jesus, at her bidding, hastens the hour of his manifestation to the world. Quid mihi et tibi est mulier? Nondem venit ora mea. O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. John 2 verse 4. Whatever explanation may be given to these words with which the Savior, in the truthfulness of his human nature, which caused him to be the obedient son of his mother, asserts his own divine perfection, it is certain that they are to be understood in an affirmative and sympathetic sense, as Mary, his most holy mother, herself understood them, nondum venit ora mea. But did our Lord really anticipate ora sua on this occasion and change the wondrous plan of his manifestation to mankind? It would seem that the meaning of his mother's request was far more complex than appears at first sight. She asked for wine, not merely for the needs of the wedding feast, but also for that other wine of which the miraculous draught at Cana was but a symbol, that is, for the Holy Eucharist. Three years had to elapse before the type was fulfilled in the antitype, so our Lord, in full response to the prayer of his blessed mother, changed the water into wine and announced with regard to the Eucharist that the time for its institution was not yet come. Father Z continues, Finally, 
Our Lord did not drink the fourth and final traditional cup of wine at the Last Supper, but instead went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to begin his agony during which he prays about his chalice. Finally, before he gasped out his final ruach, his spirit, it was ruach that moved upon the waters, Genesis 1 verse 2. What did Christ say? I thirst, John nineteen twenty-eight. he said, and the soldiers gave him oxos, soured wine mixed with water that Roman soldiers drank. Wine is found in the Gospel of John only two times. Also, this wine just before he breathes his last is not the same as the wine he rejects in Mark fifteen twenty-three, which had myrrh in it, oinos ismerismenos, to stupefy those being crucified. John, excuse me, Matthew 27, 34 says that the wine he rejected was mixed with zole or gall, think choleric, which was probably the same as the myrrh in Mark as the word is used in the Old Testament for bitter things like wormwood. John displays the divine weaving of creation and new creation. Baptism, matrimony, Eucharist, and passion across these 19 chapters. What would I add at this point? Out of lack, loss, and deprivation, blessings can come. In the first reading, the epistle for Sunday, Paul tells the Romans in chapter 12, verses 6 through 16, to bear up with cheerful generosity and patience in time of tribulation, each according to our proper vocations. When we experience a trial or a lack of something beneficial, like lacking the wine at the banquet, we must be, as Paul teaches, patient and hopeful. Insofar as lacking the wine is concerned, St. Augustine associated every mass with a wedding wedding banquet in which the sun is wedding our soul. Our souls are often spoken of in great spiritual writings as the spouse of Christ. That said, imagine that the wine which has run out is a symbol of the traditional Latin mass, which you desire for your Eucharistic banquet. Perhaps your wine jar is almost empty because it has been depleted. Perhaps you cannot have this mass as often as you desire. Perhaps you cannot have it at all. Ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to intercede with our Lord. Mary loves you. Ask Mary to ask our Lord to provide for you. In the meantime, do whatever the Lord tells you. In the meantime, rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, as Paul tells the Romans in chapter 12, verse 12. Some more sagacious advice from the great Father John Zulsdorf. Let us conclude, friends, by once again mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot O-R-G. Also, please tune in to episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast for more information pertaining to RPM. RPM is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Before my niece was about eight years old, we didn't even know her favorite color. We had to guess as to what all of her wants and needs are. Put yourself in her shoes. How sad and frustrating must that be? Well, now thanks to God's grace, her hard work, that of her family, breaking through to open communication via RPM, we know she's a comprehensive genius. 
She can compose music, poetry, very skilled in regards to mathematics. She knows foreign languages. I don't know how she knows the things she knows, but she knows them. And her IQ, although never formally being tested or has not been formally tested yet, must be off the charts. She's one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. But you can't use a tool unless you know about it. That's where you come in. Please spread those episodes in that episode, excuse me, in that website to as many people as you know. If you don't know a non-speaker, you might at some point in your life. We need to get this information to the family and friends of non-speakers because those who have non-speaking autism are still being looked over in our society. How many people are out there like my niece? Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, only the good Lord knows. We need to help them out. And RPM is a game changer for helping those who are non-speakers. It's like sign language was for the deaf in terms of their being able to communicate. Or you could also point to Braille for the blind in terms of their being able to read. It's been that big and that wonderful and that much of a grace from Almighty God. Thank you so much for helping out. Please say an Ave Maria for me, and thank you for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please tune in again next time. Goodbye, and God love you.